How you guys doing today? Nice. Me too. That was so awesome. Yeah, that was really good, man. I was, I was almost late. Uh, I was just in it. I had to sprint over there. I tripped. It was embarrassing. Luckily, you were all so busy worshiping, you didn't notice. Um, well, welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. So today, guys, I did, I did something. I started learning. I started studying. I decided to, you know, broaden my horizons, continue to be a jack of all trades and never a master of any. Um, and today I did, I learned, not today, but in general I've been learning about gardening. Suze, you might appreciate this. Any gardeners in here? Now keep in mind, I'll try, keep in mind I'm not an expert, so please do not yell out when I'm incorrect, okay? Because you can yell at the internet and numerous other places. But I'm going to give you you know, Todd's dummy guide to a little bit of gardening. So, what are, I'm going to put up a picture, you guys get so, weed, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did anyone hear that? It's a weed and I can't believe you're asking me, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weed, right? And what's cool about this picture, and um, it tells us a lot about weeds, okay, and I learned about them, but, you know, we don't know, maybe some of the gardeners do, what this originally was. Can you tell by looking, expert gardeners? Because clearly whatever it is has been what? It's been decimated by weeds, right? You can't, you can't even see it anymore. Um, yeah, there's weeds that have just overrun everything. And the thing about weeds are, they're ugly. And I was like, what's ugly about them, right, most of the time? It just looks chaotic. Look at that. That is just a chaotic mess of plants. And... Uh, and all kinds of different looking things, and you don't know what's what, so we just kind of all give it one name, weeds, right? Uh, yeah, those are weeds. Now, what's kind of crazy to me, guys, is that I'm going to show you some things that you're going to be shocked that technically are considered weeds, because it's going to blow your mind. You ready for this? You're not going to believe this. Nate, you're not going to believe it. Some weeds aren't ugly. Didn't know this. Let's take a look at the first one. Hey, gardeners, what is this? Nice job. First of all, she's very angry about it, but I'm legitimately, I'm kind of embarrassed. I was like, ain't nobody going to know what this little flower is, and she just immediately, yeah, this is called morning glory. So uh, as Susan's already gotten ahead of here and saved me the time, uh, this is a weed. That's really beautiful, right? I mean, genuinely. And even, I didn't like crop a picture to show you like the pretty part. If you look at the entire thing in general, it, from afar, that, it is pretty. Look at those nice purpley pink flower looking things, right? That's really nice. It's a weed though. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Next, what's that? Okay, we some herbalists. Uh, yeah, it's mint. So, did you guys know that mint is a weed? Raise your hand if you knew that. Nice. Raise your hand if you didn't. Okay, raise your hand if you're too lazy to raise your hand. I got you to do it anyway. Ah, anyway, yeah, mint. Mint is a weed, and a lot of people uh, didn't know this, which you guys were on it. I had no clue, okay? Um, I am a big proponent of mint because I have a baby belly. What I mean by that is my stomach hurts all the time, and after consulting shamans and witch doctors, I'm just kidding, people that know stuff, um, someone's going to cut that. They're going to cut that from this sermon clip and say, I'm, say practice sorcery. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, mint, I use mint a lot. I like mint, the smell of it. I even like when you walk out into a field, sometimes you can smell mint, and you're like, oh, that's nice. There's a mint patch or something. I don't know what they're called. But regardless, mint is actually a weed. It is a weed. All right, next, this one's interesting to me. What is that? That's a, okay, I was going to say it's a hard picture, and you immediately all knew. <laughs> I really thought this was going to be a lot more surprising. Uh, yeah, it's bamboo. 
So bamboo is a, is a weed, which is crazy. Once again, man, a ton of you know this already. Everybody's like, yeah, clearly, Todd. It's just show me something I don't know. I, I was shocked by this. Bamboo is a weed, all right? Next, what's this? Oh, I might have got someone. Nice. No, that's a good, it's a good guess, though. It, it looks like that. What is it? No, I don't know. I don't know if this is the other name from it. I was, from what my research, this is periwinkle. Periwinkle. Um, which <laughs> I knew the word, never knew it actually was a flowery thing. Um, yeah, so you look at that again. It looks really, really pretty, legitimately. And by the way, I looked through multiple pictures because I'm thinking in my mind, sure, you just took a nice one. It's like probably when you pan out, there's barbed wire thorns and, you know, whatever. It's just this disgusting mess. No, the whole thing looks really nice. Here's what I've learned, and I'm going to impart to you guys, as again, I've embarked on becoming a herbalist and gardener. It doesn't really matter what a weed look, looks like. Genuinely, it doesn't matter. Clearly, I showed you that. What makes a weed, in fact, there is a tree that's a weed considered. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. I didn't put it on here because none of you would have recognized the name, but that shocked me. It doesn't really matter what they look like. So what makes a weed a weed? Like, what's one thing? Don't teach me the whole thing. What's one thing about weeds that are annoying? Grows where you don't want them. Yeah. Who else said some? Keep coming back. Yeah. So weeds are aggressive. Like, what do you mean by that? She just said it. They go and they keep coming back. They just spread wherever they want to go. They don't care. And they don't even seem to care about distance. You know, sometimes you, you move something and you move it far away and the next thing you know it's still in there. They're aggressive, their roots spread all over, and they destroy property, fences, and make things look ugly. It's crazy to me that weeds can actually crack concrete. Isn't that crazy to think about? Weeds can crack concrete. They wrap themselves around healthy plants. This is another reason gardeners and farmers don't like them, right? And choke them out. They absorb the nutrients, right? They affect, hinder, and kill the fruit of the healthy plants around them. That's, that's a fact. That's why we don't like them. So like mint and all those things. I'm like, okay, what? And she said at the beginning, morning glory. She said, I actually researched this. They just are all over the place. Right? They just spread. That's what they say. And they reach around things. And So even if it's pretty, it's, it's just wrapping around everything, smothering it out. The other thing about weeds, and it, we really see it in the first slide I showed you. But they can change the entire landscape of an area. I mean, they can. They can change the entire perception of a landscape because they don't stop. They just keep going, right? Listen, we have our, a weed in our lives at times. And the reality is you, you have a weed in your lives at times. And some of you have a weed in your lives all the time, all the time. You live, and I know most of you in this room today, at least cursory, and some of you I know for a fact live with a weed in your life. That doesn't mean I don't like you, right? I still like, you know, again, roses just because weeds are around them, but it affects the way you perceive the rose bush, right? It makes it look different than it actually is. It makes it look uglier even. Some of you have had this weed growing for a really, really long time. 
two years, three years, four years, 40 years, 60 years. Some of you don't even notice it anymore because it might not look ugly at first glance. It's kind of like those others. You realize, you know, you're like, that ah, doesn't look bad until you realize all you have is mint. <laughs> right? If that's all you have is mint, yeah, mint's nice in your water and your tea, but when you're hungry, you know, again, you want to apple over a mint, a piece of mint. Nothing else grows in the field of your heart. Or if it does, you only see little glimpses of it. That if the truth is, people were to characterize you, they don't bring up your good qualities first. Because they're, they're choked out and they're hard to see. They're there, right? They're there. But they're choked out by the weed. There's no fruit of joy, happiness, laughter, love, trust, kindness, you don't have close friendships and you're mad about it. Why don't I have friendships, right? Why doesn't, you know, people are just, and then it slowly turns to that, right? I don't have friends because people are selfish, cold, mean, all the other things that come to our mind. You know, I have, I've had friends, families that have said, I hate people. You know, you kind of laugh and then you realize they're not really kidding. They hate people because they have this weed. And over time, you know, they understand that something's wrong and it's affected their relationships. But because it's so choked out, they don't see it anymore. And so all they can do is see the reaction of other people to the weed. So they're assuming, again, they're blind to this. Hey, where, I have a rose bush and everyone's saying it's ugly. It's got to be them. When the truth is we just don't realize what's happened in our heart and how that shows itself. You're angry, or you're sad, or you're mistrusting, and if you're honest, listen, or lonely, if you're really honest with yourself, if you can get past the anger you're feeling right now, it's another clue that you have this weed. Because even me saying this is hitting that weed just enough to make you irritated. It's tugging at it. The roots are moving, and I don't like that. If you're honest, those sad, angry, mistrusting, those are the words that characterize your life. You spend the majority of your life. Guys, listen, if you spend 51% of your life sad, angry, and mistrusting, that's the majority. Would you settle for that? If you knew right now, someone, God came down and said, hey, you have X amount of years, it doesn't matter how many, 51% of your time is going to be uh, sad, angry, or mistrusting. Would you be like, yay, yay, because you still have 49? No. Now, what if that number increases to 60% of your life, of, you know, 60% of your time is spent in one of those? 70, 80. How high can it go before what is life? After a while, as time has passed, you don't see the weed at all. Like I said, I've already given you a clue. No, it's everyone else's fault. Your family's selfish. Your friends don't love as well as you. Your spouse is a pain. Your children don't respect you. Work is stressful. Those are the real reasons. You are harsh, cold, and lonely. All the while, the roots of the weed grows deeper and deeper in your heart. It's gnarled roots, so wrapped around your heart that you don't even see them anymore. You don't see your heart. That's why you hide. That's the truth. You hide under all that, right? I'm, I'm sad, I'm lonely, but no, nah, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the weed. 
instinctively you know. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. Like we pretend we don't. That's why we blame people, but we know it's there. So when I hear negativity, anger, sadness, loneliness, complaining, snapping at people, right? I have to say that, you know what I mean. Blaming, shaming, people of conflict, you know. We talk about people of peace here a lot. It's a scriptural concept not really mentioned like, in that direct terms, but what it means is a person who is open to the hope of the gospel. Here, you know, there's people you talk to, and, and they, they may not be believers, but they're open to learning and hearing. That's a person of peace. And then you have the people, let me tell you guys something. There are people in your life, this is a little aside, who it doesn't matter how long you try. You're casting your pearls before swine. They don't care. They're not people of peace. In fact, they're people of conflict. Sometimes, well, you're like, well, I'm a Christian. Some of you are people of conflict. I'll get to that a little later. When I see those things, or arrogance, or pride, when I hear and see those things, particularly among God's people, and this is true, that's how this came today. This message came from a genuine question I had this week. As I wrestled through and kind of, you know, I have a, believe it or not, guys, I love you guys. I do. I know it's hard to believe because, you know, I got my own weeds sometimes. But, you know, uh, I do. And so I sit and I go, man, when you see someone you love do the same thing over and over again, right, over and over, or even sadly, and you might even tell them this is the most heartbreaking, and they still, they don't care. They don't care. And they live in misery because they refuse to change something. So I said, okay, what is that thing? When I see that a lot, people are hurt. And God's people, right? I mean, people are hurt and, and angry and bitter and, I mean, sad, all these types of things. What's going on here? What do these people have in common? What is the root of those moments? And listen, we all have moments and sometimes have to do weed pulling. Everybody. But for this little moment, and we'll talk to everybody in a minute, I'm talking to those of you who... Be real. Life is 51% at best. Miserable. Angry. Lonely. Frustrated. Upset. Hopeless. All those things. I'm going to get real loud in a minute so everybody wakes up. There's a thin line between, I'm like, man, they're listening to, they're, they're literally sleeping. What's the root issue with the people we all know like them? By the way, you know, sometimes we all fall asleep and stuff like that. I tease people. I mean, it happens. We get tired. We're humans. But sometimes that's also a byproduct of your weed. Because you can't get stuff out of things because life is just for the moment. Right now I'm sleepy. <laughs> so I'm going to sleep. It don't matter where I'm at. Right? If Todd was more interesting, I'd pay attention. It wasn't, church wasn't so late. <laughs> and yet you keep coming. Uh, so what's the root issue? They come across, you know, when I think of the types of people, not the ones where all do it, but the people who are characterized by their weed, right? When I think about them, what is it? What is that thing? It's bitterness. I said it earlier. Bitterness. When I really started thinking about the word that characterized all of them, yeah, some are angry and some are snotty and some are mean, but it all really boils down to bitter. People are bitter. We are bitter. You are bitter. It may have started out, listen, as hurt, self-protection, even survival. There are things that have happened to some of you 
that is unfair. Some of you were abused. Some of you were betrayed. Some of you were lied to over and over. Some of you have been, you know, deceived. Some of you have been tricked. Some of you have lost people, and it doesn't make any sense. There are things that the legitimately, the beginning was something real, and your, your weed started out as an attempt to survive that. Because the shot feels so hard, right? When those things happen to you, it can feel like you're going to die. That's real. Let's just cut the crap. That's the truth. And so we, like, you know, you see a wounded animal ever, they just run around. Or kids, when they hurt, you know, if I, I used to get hurt and I'd, like, run around. I don't know why. And hold myself. Like, that's helping, you know. Hop. <laughs> They're doing anything they can because I can't, I can't be hurt again. But over time, this initial seed... Self-protection, survival, turns into weeds of bitterness. And in the darkness, it's grown, multiplied, and choked out the beauty around it. No one wakes up and says, I'm going to be a bitter person. You guys know that, right? Because the majority of you, unless the Holy Spirit's working on you in this room or watching this some point in time, you're going to say, yeah, man, you know, I've had those moments. We all, I think most people that aren't narcissists can go, I've had moments of bitterness. And, and, I, and that's who I'm going to talk to today is all of us. Because that's, but my heart right now is for some of you in this very room, it's not moments. It's, as I said, 51% at best and more like 85. And I don't say it to hurt you. I say it because it stinks to watch you hurt. No one wakes up and says, I'm going to be a bitter person. No one makes that their goal. And yet, if we're honest, people... Bitter people don't say they're bitter. I have never met a bitter person whom I ask what is the issue that they go, you know, it's just me. I'm a bitter person. They don't do it. It always is, well, you know, if you were this and you were that and I'm stressed and I'm tired and I'm grumpy and I'm, I don't know, it could be a hundred other things. I'm garbage. That's one that some of you say, right? If I just say it first, who cares if I'm bitter, I'm garbage. People, bitter people don't say they're bitter. Why do I say that? Because in this room today, you need to listen because you, 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 you tend to, we as humans tend to go, yeah, man, that bitter guy next door, the guy that knows he's bitter, he's going to really get something out of this. Bitter people don't say they're bitter. I just told you that sometimes they don't know they're bitter, and sometimes your weed's so nasty and gnarled that it just makes you continue to do the same thing you always do. Lash out. <laughs> That's your face, is some of you. You know, I can always tell when someone visits is never going to come again. Legitimately, here's the body language. Every time, every time. You know, I've studied this. So crossed arms, I do it all the time. So don't be, um, you know, I'm not saying this is you, but the people that do, they start here, and then slowly, and then for every time, they do it real subtly. The slow head shake of disgust. <laughs> That's who they are. That's what they do. Right? And if they're real, like, those are, I actually respect those people a little more. It's the ones that have, they've been taught a lot of Christianese, so they just go. I better tap my lips so I don't say something mean, right? 
The Lord says, control my, my tongue. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of times those people are bitter. Not every time. <laughs> Don't want to say that. But sometimes. Listen. Pay attention. This is my point. Yet if the Bible tells us, even though no one says they're going to be bitter, right? No Christian says, I'm a bitter person. Like, they just wake up and say that. That's my struggle. I, I, honestly, I've never even heard someone. I think yesterday, the first time I heard someone say, I, am, I struggle with bitterness. I don't know if I've ever heard that other than that moment, which was pretty cool. Here's the thing. Yet, no one says it, yet the Bible tells us it, that it's a fact. God's word says, listen, people are bitter. People can be bitter. Even God's people can be bitter. So why am I saying that? The temptation to say I'm not bitter, that's not me. You might even find yourself angry at the implication or even thought that I may be possibly referring to you. That's my uppity, arrogant voice. It's always English. Uh, hear me, friends, and I mean this. That anger that you feel, I haven't even said anything that insult. I mean, stick around. You know me. I'm going to offend someone. The truth is, it's just the weeds of bitterness resisting being tugged on. That's the first step. Well, is this a weed? Right? You pull a weed, I learned, you got to go down close to the root, right? You do it up here, it just is like, ha, ah, I got you. <laughs> you think that leaf stops me and it grows back stronger, right? You got to get down there and shake it, right? Start to pull it. Because even if you just rip it out and you leave any of those roots, remember what I said? That's the sound of weeds. <laughs> Listen. I'm, gonna, I, I'm setting this all up before we dive into what we can do about this because this is, I need you to understand this isn't one of those fluffy things. Sometimes we view sinful things, like we rank them naturally, we're humans. And sometimes there's things that we kind of go, because we all struggle with them, humanity, that God is like, I know dogs bark and people get bitter, right? Just got to put up with it. Maybe train, no. That's not what it is. Being bitter is not some small, fluffy, eh, we're all bitter sometimes kind of thing to not take seriously. I'm going to read a section in a second. Don't wait, wait, guys, I want to set the time up. From Acts 8, and this is what blew my mind about how, now we see it all throughout the Old Testament, okay? God has always talked about bitter heart, bitter words. But listen, what's crazy is in Acts 8, Peter, the stubborn guy, at this point is Peter the rock. And he's wandering around, and all the apostles are spread out through the world, the Gentile world. Thank goodness for them, because you're a Gentile, most likely. And a guy named Philip goes to Samaria. And in Samaria, he preaches the gospel, and it says he performed miracles. And people started believing. And in this area that he was preaching was a sorcerer named Simon. Oh, that's cool. Um, you know, like pull rabbits out of the house. No, guys, listen, the Bible says it. We've got to believe this stuff happened. They, it said people followed him because he could perform incredible acts, supernatural things. Well, somehow when he saw, he heard the, the good news of the gospel, he repented and put his faith in Jesus. That's what it says. Now, there's an interesting point. I could preach on it because it's going to confuse you. And what it says is, is that Peter and John, the big boy apostles, right, the beloved one in the rock, hear about I have a feeling, knowing Peter, that he's like, hey, listen, those people in Samaria are not going to listen. You don't even know why you're going, Philip. It's stupid. And then all of a sudden, they send back, and Peter's probably like, well, I guess I better get over there. Right? So Peter and John go over there, and what they do is they come up and, and start praying for the people that heard the news. Now, back then, the reason that this is important, we don't have to do this today, it's because the apostles' authority had to be established. Remember, it had to be established for the beginning of the church or it would have fallen apart. So at the beginning, a lot of the things that's accessible to all of us, you know, 
it was coming through Peter and the apostles so that everyone could know these guys are speaking for Jesus. So he said they prayed on and the Holy Spirit came on them, right? Meaning truly filled them. Something crazy happened. Now, it doesn't mean they never were sealed, but something miraculous happened when Peter prayed for him. It tells us this. And Simon the sorcerer, He'd been following along. It's, he, remember, he used to do incredible things. He already believes in Jesus, so he's a believer. That's me when I think you're sleepy. Stay with me. I know. i got to give you context, though. And all of a sudden, he starts going. He comes up. He wants this. He comes up to Peter. We don't know, again, contextually, I think something happened. God performed something crazy. I don't think this is even necessarily, this is my opinion, if you read it, because of what we know about truth, I don't think this was like, oh, now that for the first time they had the Holy Spirit. I believe that something miraculous happened. Why? Because Simon the sorcerer, who did crazy magic, saw them do this and was, and was like, whoa, I want to be able to do that. So whether the wind swept up, whether a burning bush popped up, whether a voice came, I don't know. But something out of the ordinary happened when Peter and John prayed. And Simon the former sorcerer said, oh, I believe in Jesus too. This is some kind of magic. I would like access. So he goes up and says, how much do I need to pay you to be able to get this ability? Sounds funny, guys. But at least he was honest. Now listen to this. It's starting in Acts chapter 8, verses 18 to 23. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given... Oh, I didn't tell you this part, did I? When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power too, so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter told him, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought it the gift of God that could, you thought that the gift of God could be obtained with money. Now this is interesting. You have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Go back real quick. This is, I'm sorry guys, I love scripture. This is just a little, little nugget in here for you. He didn't say it wasn't possible. He said, you have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Another word for iniquity? Anyone? Sin. You are poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. Strong and terrifying words from Peter. This wickedness of yours. Pray to the Lord, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. At this point, we still don't know, okay, why? Is it because I asked? And we'll know. He said your heart has an issue, and he, then he tells us the reason. Here's why you need to repent. You are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Poisoned and bound. I'll give you my thoughts. Simon the sorcerer was mad that he couldn't do what the apostles did when he used to be able to do those things. Now, does it make sense? Why would God... I had this power. People followed me. Now they do things that I couldn't even do. I gave up this bitterness. His heart wasn't that he wanted what God had. He wanted what he used to have. Does that make sense? Am I losing you guys? Are you asleep today or like in thought? Okay, good. Because I, you know, I can just walk out. It don't matter to me. Listen, bitterness is poison to our lives, our relationships, and our joy brought that up, and this is wrapping this up, but, but it is an affront to God. He is sickened by it. God's people are not bitter. In their nature, God's people are not bitter. But Todd, you just said that you know, people are bitter sometimes because we're not living out of that nature. 
It's a sin, bottom line. If your life is characterized by, by bitterness, yes, we want to make your life better. I want you to not live in, in misery. And that's what I talked about the majority of the time. But some of you need to, you're too prideful to care. You're like, I like my life. All right, I'll be a guy. I love my life. Because <laughs> I think I, you know, why is it always women? It's not in my head. It's a sin. So you pick your, pick your reason to change. There's a lot of things that God tells us not to do that if we did them, we'd be successful, right? We talk about that a lot, Tim. We've said that. Hey, if we weren't in the kingdom, we could make money, right? We could, even Tim and I, I don't know. Pretty much he invents it, and I just go talk about it. But let's take a few, these next few minutes, guys, seriously, and check our hearts. Are you bitter? Am I? Is our church and is your home? A church is made up of people, so if the people are bitter, the church will be. Hear it again. I know it's fast. A lot of pride in this church in a good way. Like, hey, you know, we, we see what God's doing in here. Mm. Every church starts that way. I think. You guys ever met, been to a church that everybody seems bitter? I have. How's that happen? It's not the walls. Bitter church is made up of bitter people. You ever been to a family where everybody's miserable all the time? I mean, you walk in and it's like just constant conflict and misery. Guess what? Bitterness. Bitter people make a bitter life, a bitter family. One bad apple spoils the batch. That's true. There's some truth in that. Weeds. You can have a rose bush, but if you've got weeds growing, it's going to choke it out. A lot of beautiful families that could be doing incredibly beautiful things and be in close relationship have become ruined by the bitterness of one person in the house. Men. Often men are, both are, both are but you know, guys, you know I'm going to hold you accountable. We've been given responsibility. You want the crown? You got to take the weight. Some of you don't want that. You like to be a boy. You're Peter Pan. You go to work, you're still Peter Pan. Peter Pan flew around and did cool things and fought pirates. He was still a boy. You've never carried weight. Your wife carries it. That's why she's bitter, and you're not, because you don't have to do anything. You go home and hand your check over, and ha-ha. Then you get mad, right, because then she's speaking over you, and she's telling you what to do, and mm, why is that? And then you just oh, be Peter Pan. It's okay. It's cute, right? <laughs> it's not. A lot of bitter women out there, too. You wonder why your husband's miserable to come home. You want to go uh, jump in a rancid pool? I don't. A sewage plant? That's what it is, man. Go home. You've made the home a sewage plant. Why does my husband like swimming here? It's nasty. <laughs> right? And you wonder why your kids get that way sometimes. Well, that's what life is. We're not roses, we're weeds. Anyway, so everybody pay attention, we'll dive into scripture. We're gonna start, we're gonna have really two sections here um, that we're gonna focus on. You could find many others, but in the New Testament, we're gonna talk, uh, study chapter 12 of Hebrews and then chapter 4 of Ephesians. I know, Christian earmuffs off. Someone the other day, who was it? 
it's kind of a good, kind of a cool story. And they're like, yeah, man, I'd heard it a million times, and I just really listened this time. And I said, that's why I say, yeah, Zeke, thank you. It was a cool moment. Zeke was being genuine. He goes, you know, I've read this a million times. That was premarital counseling, wasn't it? So I read this a million times, and I just really saw this. I mean, he's like, I, he even told me, I, can I say that you okay with this story? He said, I memorized this for his Bible quizzing. And I, I don't know if you know this about Zeke. He was very good at it, right? And he says no, but he memorized this verse. He said, I knew this back and forth, and he read it again truly, and he's like, I understood it. So when I say Christian earmuffs, that means take, I could say goggles, take off the stuff that makes you think you know what it's saying. Listen, okay, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, very simple. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and by it defiling many. I just told you. All my analogies. It only takes one drop of poison to make us not drink a drink. Right? If I say, here you go, Zach, here's some uh, ricin. I just put a little drop in there, man. Oh, okay, it's just a drop. (laughs) Hey, man, I just put one drop of rat poison in your water bottle. You know what? That's okay. (laughs) No, this is such a powerful thing. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. Anytime you hear this, you need to go, whoa. Well, I thought I, I don't want to, you can't lose your salvation, so what's happening here? Some of you think that's what that means. No one falls short. That's what you need to pay attention to. It doesn't say lose the grace of God. It says no one falls short of the grace of God. You ready? Important distinction real fast. Mercy is that thing which God has saved you and will never let you go. That is his mercy. Grace is the status he has given you that you didn't earn. You are a child of God by the grace of God. What the writer Hebrews is saying here is like, don't fall short of your title. Don't live beneath who you are. Don't be a weed. Okay, so how do we do that? No root of bitterness. So what's the implication here? To be a bitter person is to be a king of a kingdom and summon at the docks drunk and dirty and disgusting. You don't belong there. It's a princess that gets picked up by the carriage to be taken to her prince and she stumbles out of bed. She's been sleeping for four days, hasn't taken a shower after rolling in the pig pen, right? That doesn't happen. If that happens, we go, that can't be a princess. And God says, no, you're a princess, but you sure aren't acting like it. No root of bitterness springs up causing trouble by it. Oof, boy, that's the truth, isn't it? Hey, your bitterness causes trouble. I'm going to go off. I already know. Not, not anger. So everyone looked up, though. I'm going to go off track because this is, I just can't handle it, man. I've always said, like, I know that I'm not a good pastor. I know that. And I try so hard to talk like those gentle voice pa- I really promise you I do. I really do. You don't believe me. But then I see your faces. And I think about the things you're doing, and I watch your life, and I just want to go, you son of a gun. Just look at me and say you don't believe. Just look me in the face and say, I don't believe in Jesus. Leave me alone. I don't want my life to change, and I'll leave you alone. Stop walking in the doors, playing this disgusting Sims game where you're pretending to be something you aren't. Because for some of you, there's only two options. You don't believe this. Or you are a spoiled, obstinate child. 
I know. I told you I was going to offend someone. Obstinate means stubborn. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It certainly doesn't mean God doesn't love you. But what it means is he has told you, and he's doing it now, and you can't pay attention for 15 minutes because you don't like what's being said, and then you wonder why your life doesn't change. But hey, someone else is going to call you over here. Here's a new bottle. Here's a new body. Here's a new pill. Here's a new thing of money. Uh, Here's a new relationship. Here's something that will make you better. And then you go off for six months. And by go off, that either means physically you don't come around or you check out. And then you stumble back through the doors broken and bleeding to hear the truth once again that you're going to ignore and you're going to walk out and do it again. Because you don't want to change. You don't want life. What you want is things to go your way and not have to change anything. Which is why God, God doesn't have to change. You change for God. So don't fool yourself. It's the same lie from the garden. You want to be God. That's fine. By the way, I want you can keep coming. I want you to. But some of you, it's not in my notes. This is you, and it breaks my heart because you're so sad and you're broken and lonely. Anyway, defiling bitterness. Moving on, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Much of the Bible is, uh, it's like a this or a that. It's like a mirror, you know. You see truth and you see the shadow lands. Go back to the first section, 31, please. All bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander. Okay, 32. Malice. 32. Kind, compassionate, forgiving. (laughs) See how they're like opposites? They give two different pictures. One is following your way and the world's way, and one is following God. It's the truth. Well, here we see it again. All bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander must be removed from you. Along with all malice, uh, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. The church is made up of what? Christians. Christians have to make an effort not to be bitter. And there's some clues there as well. All bitterness is first. Anger, wrath, all these other things. Why? Because you're digging to the root. Bitterness springs a lot of times from anger, from sadness, from hate, from wrath. From slander, how does slander do it? Well, and you start, bitter people talk a lot of junk, right? They do. It's like, I want to spread that bitterness. Remember up here where it says, causing trouble, defiling many? That's what they do. Hebrew, okay, so. We all in agreement bitterness isn't good. Okay. <laughs> Did I make you mad earlier? It's okay. Raise your hand if you're mad. No one? Someone kind of did. That's okay. I love you, I promise. Okay, I do. I promise I love you. (sighs) I told you. This is it. I tried to. I do. I promise. Anyway, what I find interesting, so how how does this happen? How does this happen, right? Again, no one wakes up. A Christian doesn't. I believe many of you, even in the room, who are literally wrapped in bitterness for years, you don't want to be. How do I know that? Because you have a heart of flesh. The Bible tells us that God took your heart of stone. Even you stubborn people got mad at me because I told you what you are. You know why you keep dragging back? Because you do have a good heart. You have a heart of flesh that God has given you. 
and you don't want to believe it or you can't, the weeds have made you believe you're too far gone. That's why you only come every now and then because you think, again, whether it's physically or in here, because God doesn't really want me anymore. Yes, he does. Your heart's still there. He wants to pull all those weeds out. He wants to give you life. So how does it happen? Hebrews 12, 1 and 3. Now, it's not going to seem like it makes sense, Josh, but I promise you it will. All right? You with me? Josh, don't fight me after basketball. I'll see you there. All right. 12, we fight every week, right? Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, so that chapter I told you in 15 starts this way. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud, cloud, cloud of witnesses surrounding us. I'm going to go, hey, since a bunch of people are watching us. Make sense? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that lay before him, why did he do it? For the joy that lay before him, endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. <laughs> for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. You won't grow weeds. They were facing persecution. Okay? The chapter starts by saying, hey, I know things are hard. I know you have been hurt. I know that you have your own junk. I know it. He is saying, but people are watching you. They're watching us. You have to endure. Kind of get that from that? We have to hold fast. How do we hold fast? Jesus. Remembering Jesus. How does it happen? It happens because we get weary. Christians become bitter because they get weary. How many times? I just heard it. I love when people are this honest. We had a Lionheart gathering. I think someone, someone said this somewhere, you know, in the context of something else. said, listen, I just get tired of doing good and getting nothing for it. That's a real feeling. And you know what? That's human. <laughs> Some of you are amazing people, and life has punched you in the mouth about 45 times. The beauty is that the witnesses are watching how you respond to those punches. You understand? In the midst of Peter going around and performing incredible miracles, this guy, if we saw him, we'd be like, that dude is powerful. It's not, it was his God. But he endured constant persecution. The apostles had to flee. The reason they went to all these different places, the pressure got so high that they were like, we gotta get out of here. Without the pressure, listen to me, without the persecution and pressure that came on the early church, the church would not have survived. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? The pressure forced them to spread, and people were watching how they handled it, and the church exploded. And here we are, 2,000 years later, in America. <laughs> and what they're saying is, I know that life is hard. He even says, listen, endured hostility from sinners. People wrong you and hurt you, and God cares about that. So I've been talking about, yeah, don't be bitter because you're a punk, right? But God, it's so crazy. I might get that way towards you and me, but God doesn't. God is saying, hey, I love you. I know it's hard. I know the call is hard. So I want to set this up then. I'm going to give you a list. You want your list, Kaylee. I know you like it. Now I'm sometimes like, man, I never did a list before. And now I'm like, is it just a thing I do? Now I just got to scrap it so it's, you know, it's like a formula. Anyway. How do we pull the weeds and prevent them? Two different things, right? Because I told you guys, some of you might be at the place, I think there's good people in here, 
that have just realized they're bitter and they're like, I don't want to be bitter. So you need to know how to pull it. It's already in there, right? How do we pull that weed? But then it's important too. How do we prevent it from that point on? Well, I just read to you Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Our clue's right there. Okay? Before I, so everything I give you is taken from these verses that I've given you today. All right? Number one, first thing you can do, how do we pull the weeds? Repent. How do I know that? What did Peter tell Simon? Repent. That's so scary and mean. Does it mean i got to hate myself? Some of you think that's what repentance means. It isn't. Repentance means acknowledging it. Oh, man, that's so funny. Sometimes people, you guys aren't really repenting because you're working on it without acknowledging that it's existing. Let me give you an example. Somebody calls you out. Your brother or sister, someone that trusts you, says, hey, you're being a punk. They send you a message. Messenger. Text, because that's what, I'm going to write a book. I told you, church by text. You won't talk to me, but we'll text a convo. That's fine. And some of you are like, why won't Todd call me? That's because 90% of my communication is, I just get in a habit, because that's how people are. I'm not mad about it. I think it's the way we are in this new age. A church has to adapt. But someone sends you a text, and they say, hey, change your life. Or like, hey, I love you, but you're being really grumpy. And no response. You're mad at them, but then your heart, you go, yeah, I'll just I'll stop being grumpy. But you never actually acknowledge it. It's not that there's magic in the words. It's a heart thing. The mouth will spill out of what's in the heart. Humility starts, if you can't even say, you're right, I was wrong, you're not repenting. Even if you're working on the issue. That's a, that, does that make sense? Sometimes I go deep. In my mind, you guys are probably like, Todd, you're an idiot. It's not deep. But that's a, that's a big thing. You can work on the issue and not have repented because you're not really acknowledging in humility. Repentance starts with the humility to acknowledge there's an issue. God works with those kinds of people. So, repent. And it's okay to say that the initial hurt was real. Repentance is going to God and saying, I'm sorry that I'm bitter. Prayer is talking to God. I know this happened to me and I became bitter, Lord. And I'm sorry. I'm hurt. I'm lonely. Whatever it is, acknowledging that. And then repentance is, and this is what I was saying to those of you that check out either physically or not. This is where you lose. This is why you don't change. Because I think you'll acknowledge it. It's why you keep coming back. you got to do something different. Repent means literally turn away from. I'm going this way. If I'm repenting, I'm heading to the door, I'm going to turn. I'm not going to turn, though, because i got sweat on my back. I don't want you guys to see it. All right? But that's what I do. Repent. Number two, this is in Hebrew. So the first one was from the chapter in Acts. Number two, focus on the example of Jesus. You want to stop being bitter? This, guys, I, this is advice I live in my, out of myself 100%. I do this. It's hard for me to be bitter when I think about Jesus. So, for instance, some of you are mean to me, and it hurts my feelings. It makes me angry. And you are. And you, it's nothing I did. You're just mean. Okay? I'm just being honest. You're being mean to me. I'll just use me because I can't see. And when you are mean to me, Right? I want to, like, I can tell you what my Blanton code is. Believe it or not, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to fight you. I'm just done with you. I'm done with you. And you wanna, you'll know it because I'll still be polite and it'll almost be more hurtful. Like, it's good to see you. You can tell I'm going, oh, no, I don't care if you were even in my eyesight. I'm serious. That's a terrible quality I have. I'm done with you. That's how I, that's how I do it. But then every now and then, God goes, it's a good thing I'm not done with you. Because I can tell you right now, I'm mean to Jesus a lot. 
It says that I despise him when I don't follow him. There are times I willfully choose to not follow him. And when I do those things, I'm driving that nail right into his, right into his uh, wrist. That's a real thing. So that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Listen, when it gets hard, when it gets tough, I know you're hurt. God does too. But remember this, Jesus endured. Some of you live in this world, or we've talked about this, right? Goku Jesus, right? And he's glowing and all-powerful. That is true. He was God, but he was also man, which means he had to deal with the same things, and he showed us the way. He doesn't just tell you to love your enemies and then say, ha, I didn't have to do it. He did it. Focus on the example of Jesus. Remember what he went through. And yet he still wasn't bitter. He wasn't. How do I know? Because as he hung on the cross, he said, forgive them. They know not what they do. A bitter person doesn't do that. A bitter person doesn't tell a man who mocked him for three hours earlier, who changes his mind, when the guy says, I'm sorry, remember me, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Bitter people don't do that. He had a reason to be bitter, but he wasn't. Number three, I got to move. Make seeking peace a priority. Remember in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, it starts with this. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Remember what I told you guys earlier. A big issue, why bitterness springs up is we don't do what God said. I'm telling you right now, I am learning more and more. We just don't do what God said even in the church. God said when somebody's got something against you, go make it right with them. When you got something against someone, go make it right with them. You ready for your Christianese lie? It's not a big deal. It's really not. I spent 30 minutes complaining about it, but it's not a big deal. Right? I mean, that's the truth. Because you don't want, and here, you just don't want conflict. It's not conflict. It's a beautiful thing. And God is not only doing it because he cares about the other person, he cares about you. So like, he covers both bases. If you're mad at someone, go to them. If someone's mad at you, go to them. Make it right. Make seeking peace a priority. Is seeking peace easy? No. Is seeking peace with someone you don't like? A priority. I mean, a priority. Easy. No, it's not. Of course it's hard. Guys, I'm telling you, there's people in this world that I've had to try to make peace with. By the way, they didn't accept my peace. But when I tried and did what God told me, I had a peace because I knew I'd done my part. It stunk. To, to hear a guy, you know, I had a guy, <laughs> had a guy come into my office here one time, and what did he say? Oh, he goes, I forgive you for what you did, and I want you to know that. If you only knew what this dude did, right? I, I literally, I mean, I, I can't tell you because I don't, in case he ever sees this. It's so ridiculous. You would literally go, that is crazy. I'll make up a story, though. How about this? Um, it's kind of similar. The guy punched me in the face. I grabbed him and threw him against the wall. And then he came to my house, came in my office that weekend and said, I forgive you. No mention of my nose that's broken. No mention of anything. But you know what's funny is that, I, I had a moment where I was like, and I said, hey, man, you know, thank you, and I am, I am sorry. I did say that. I didn't want to. I'm still clearly a little frustrated by the attitude, but I have peace now. All right, number four. I know, I know, I got to go. You got stuff to do. It's not even football season. Hey, wear their shoes. I did this, Josh, so you remember, because you won't remember the word. Wear their shoes. Well, let's look back. What does it say, verse 32? Second word, compassionate. You want to know how you have compassion on someone? How you can get rid of bitterness is put yourself in their shoes. I've had people that have done terrible things to me, and I mean this genuinely. When you allow yourself to go in their shoes from their perspective, whether right or wrong, 
you can at least understand how it happened. And it helps you have compassion. Choose to wear their shoes. I'm serious. Tangible advice. Take a moment and go, if I were them, what does this look like? If I were them and what I've been shown, right? Whatever. It's kind of like, you know, some of you are super nice to dogs. Dude, that's another thing, man. I'm preaching too long. But this, some of you all have dogs and you shouldn't. Here's a clue. If your dog bites people, if your dog bites humans, and you want the humans to change, well, hey, you came up on him too fast. I just walked to your house, right? Hey, it's your fault, man. You tried to pet him when he's sitting on his cushion. He hates that. <laughs> That's not right. I'm sorry. It just I've been bit by some of your dogs. I just want to kill it, right? Which isn't good because it's, but, but you ready? Okay, I lost my point here. This is a point back to the original thing. Wear their shoes. Some of you, though, your heart is towards animals. You'll understand if, if you see a beat dog and we see it on TV, right? And it's mean and it's, we've seen these videos on YouTube and it's biting people and it's beat and it's like a pit bull that's in a you know, fight and you see scars and we understand. Some of you are in here like, well, he's just, a, he's just a little smoochy smooch and he got hurt and beat, right? And you immediately don't want, but when it comes to a human, who you know his past, maybe that woman's going through a terrible divorce, maybe that guy's lost his job, but when they snap at you immediately, well, they're scumbags. Come here, Smoochie, right? And Smoochie's biting me, right? (laughs) Put yourself in their shoes. Understand that they might have a reason. It helps you have compassion. doesn't mean that you are affirming what they did. You don't have to say they did it right to understand. Number five, easy, be kind. But I capitalize B, I'll be kind. Kind. Kindness is a heart thing, right, guys? We talked about it. It starts in the heart, but it shows itself in action. Be kind. Learn to be kind. So how does this go with bitterness? When you're focusing on being kind, trying to understand people, you'll notice that the weeds start to shrivel up. Because you see, at the end of the day, bitterness is a me-centered mindset. Right? Because that's what some of you have been rightfully wrong, and so you think your bitterness is okay because you're in your own head and you're like, I understand. But Jesus wants us to be outward focused, not inward, right? In the sense of loving people. He wants us to be inward focused when it comes to changing and not trying to change everyone else. Be kind. We see that in Ephesians, right? I just told you. Number six, I gave you a hint. Sorry, thank you. I trick you guys. Focus. Forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness. Some of you go, I don't know how to do it. That's okay. Try every day. Forgiveness just means letting go, right? Letting go of the right to punish someone for something they did. Let it go. And then number seven. This is important. Remember, I'm talking about pulling weeds and preventing them. Be deliberate. Today, you're going to get an opportunity to respond to this. I know it's late. I never respond. If you're bitter, be deliberate today about saying, I'm done. If you're in that place where you, maybe you're not, your heart's not fully wrapped in it, but you know you're in a, a bitter season, let's change that. Now, talk to the uh, young folks in the church a lot, the teens lately. I'm going to talk to the older folks. You know, some of you older folks think that your, your age comes uh, with entitlement. I'm allowed to be bitter because I'm near the end of my life. You're not. You're not. Because in God's eyes, you're still that, that little guy, right? That little boy 
that little girl, your call is to not be bitter. She's going to come play some music for a little bit. I want to ask you questions. I'll make it short and sweet. Is your life characterized by weeds of bitterness? Are you lonely? Do you have no friends? Are you wondering why do people like you try to get close to people and they run away? It's because you got weeds all over you. It might be. Is your joy, love, and friendship affected? Do you want to get those out of your life? Some of you are too prideful to even say that. It's okay. Do you want to have friends? Do you want to have a relationship? I'm not promising it, but if you want it, you got to get rid of the bitterness. Do you want to have a healthier marriage? Do you want to have a better relationship with your kids? Do you want to have a better relationship with coworkers? Do you want to go to bed at night not feeling like no one cares? Because you can't control whether they love you and see you, but you can't control whether you love and see them. Some of you have been hurt really bad. Bad things have happened. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's not true. But bad things happen to Jesus. And you've already said you believe in him. The ones I'm talking to you right now. Stop. Try something different today. You'll try every drug, every person, every movie, everything in the world except what the Bible tells you to do. Try that today. Repent, change, acknowledge your hurts, whatever it takes. You'll have time here at this altar time. People will be here to pray. You can do it at your seat, but respond. Listen, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, I know it's raining. Stay with me. It's scary, huh? <laughs> the bottom line is, is that God created everything, and there was no bitterness, and there was no loneliness and all those things. And we said, no, I reject that. Because God said there's one rule. I'm God, you're not. I decide what's right and wrong, you don't. And we said, nah, I'd rather do that. And everything that's happened has shown what happens when we play God. We're not good at it. Our lives are a mess. You know it. Intrinsically, you know it. Sin, that's sin. It's brokenness. It's hurt. It's pain. It's those bad things that happen to you. It shows itself in the actions of people towards each other. And it shows itself in our hearts. That's why no matter how many 12-step programs we go to or how many self-help books we read or how many Oprah episodes we watch, it only is fleeting, right? Because at the end of the day, you go back to bed and it's still there. Because at the end of the day, it's you trying to heal yourself. You can't do it. So God had a plan. In the midst of a mess, in the midst of our obstinance, in the midst of our bitterness, when he could have been bitter, the Father sent His Son. God came down in the form of man, Jesus of Nazareth. He existed. Bottom line. Is He a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? And honestly, I don't think a liar would go all the way to the cross. I don't. I think a liar would rat himself out when he's about to die. So he's one of two things. Is he a lunatic or is he the Son of God? Because he's not a teacher and he's not a philosopher. He's not Buddha or he's not Vishnu, he's not a prophet. He says, I am the son of God. I am the way and the truth and the life. Here's the problem. Some of you say, I believe all that. You haven't because he said, I am the way. Not, eh, I like most of what you say. So how do I have that? Jesus taught us how to live and on the cross he died so that for your mistakes, your sin, because all your bad stuff does have repercussions. You will be separated from God. That is hell. I don't care how good a person you are. I'll give you an example. I come into your house and I shoot your, uh, your husband, your wife, your dog, your mom, uh, maybe your, your, your child. And up to that point, I've been a really good person. But I shot them. 
And I go before the judge, and the judge says to you, he goes, that's okay, Todd's a pretty good guy. He just had that one moment. And he says, you're free. You wouldn't call that justice, and you wouldn't call it good. God is the same with us. Just because you've been pretty good doesn't save you. So listen to me, whether you're 6, 16, 60, or 85, if you're in this room and you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you know Jesus Christ, that when he died on the cross, you've put your faith in him and you got to have the benefits of the cross. What is that? He takes your sin, your shame, your brokenness. He died there for you so that you never have to. And he gives you his holiness, his life, his peace, his joy, the beautiful things. So that even when you die on this earth, you don't really die, you go home. If you can't say that, please don't leave. Because tomorrow isn't promised. It is not promised. How do I have it? Romans chapter 10 tells us that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Are you willing to acknowledge him as Lord? Not just a pretty good guy, not just, I like most of his stuff. Lord, there's no shame in this. Guys, please, I know, I know, I'm not supposed to say this, but I feel guilty a lot. I've went long, but hear my heart right now. I feel like I need to say this. There are people in this room that went their whole life fooling the world and even themselves that they have followed Jesus, that they are his disciples, and you know that you're not. If there's a question, if there's an inkling of doubt, don't walk out of here without dealing with that. If you don't want to walk to the front because you're scared, the guys in the blue shirts in the back, I'm wondering, come find me. Let's pray. Let's go to the Father. You don't need me. You can do it yourself. Come on, today. It's real. You don't have to believe me. But here's the thing. Either in this life or the next, you will bow the knee and call him Lord. He's just going to either say, you're with me or you're not. God loves you too much to leave in your bitterness, your sin, and your brokenness. Whatever you do, make this time count. And don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.